They are declaring themselves challengers to your world championship belt. No one can beat Mega Bucks. I'll put you to sleep with my million dollar dream. This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. Ladies and gentlemen, things are heating up. The planet continues to warm. It's the summer. So why not talk about SummerSlam? Folks, it's Ringman, the show here on the new TNN where we talk about the wars of sports-based entertainment. As always, it's Johnny C, and thanks for coming in on this one. But yeah, you know, we haven't done a full-on episode of Ringman in quite some time. So I figured with the big return. We should really do uh, something that goes all out and really encompasses the ridiculous scorching heat that I cannot fucking stand that happens every day here in the real world. So we're going to talk about the WWF's premiere and inaugural Summer Spectacular. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Today we're going to dive into the shallow end of the pool to take a look at SummerSlam 88. Now... This episode is going to feel a little bit different. It, nothing crazy or anything like that, but as I was contemplating jumping back into Ringman, there was something that wasn't sitting quite right with me. Well, I shouldn't say sitting quite right with me, but there was something on my mind that was preventing me from really launching into the endeavor. Uh, endeavor, you see what I did there? And that is this. I take a painstakingly unnecessary amount of notes because I like to capture all the ridiculous things that happen during these shows, which on one hand I think is probably the niche appeal that I offer. Um, I've never listened to a wrestling podcast, and I'm not trying to put myself over. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm just giving you my perspective that focuses so much on like the commentary as my own, um, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. I apologize either way. Um, but my whole point is is that I wanted to do something different for this episode of Ringman. And I was thinking to myself, SummerSlam 88. SummerSlam 88. What can I do that would be fun for the listeners, but also fun for me? That would free me up to just sort of live the show and then maybe come back and talk to you about it without all these painstaking details, but still get the points across. And then I was like, hmm, get the points across. Now, if you're a long-time listener, you might know that I used to do a show called UPN, 
where I would watch the first couple episodes of SmackDown and assign them points for individual accomplishments, with the goal being that uh, each episode of SmackDown would score enough points to match what their Nielsen rating was. For example, if an episode of SmackDown got a 5.4 Nielsen, they would have to get 54 points to, to win the episode, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but fuck you. And I was like, SummerSlam 88. What points? I got it. And now, I'm not. this is not a point-based show, but I was like, what if I set a goal for myself? What if I watch this show with the goal to provide at least 88 pieces of information that were fun that I found while watching this show? I like the brand synergy. It's SummerSlam. 88. There's 88 keys on a piano. There's that awesome character played by Mandy Patinkin from Dick Tracy that plays the piano named 88 Keys. Dick Tracy, that's a fucking movie. Uh, you go 88 miles per hour to travel back in time. Well, that's fun. There's that movie 88 Minutes with Al Pacino. And, you know, the bride famously uh, fought the crazy 88s. In the battle of the uh, tea leaves, tea house place, whatever. God, I love the crazy 88s when they make fun of Charlie. Charlie Brunja! And that is not a stereotypical voice. That is the way the gentleman says Charlie Brown and Kill Bill. Charlie Brunja! It's good shit, pal. So yeah, so that's what we're going to do. I watched SummerSlam 88, okay, with the intent of finding 88 pieces of information. Here's the thing. I'm not limiting it to 88, but if I don't find 88 fun things to mention about SummerSlam 88 while watching it, I'm considering the show a failure. And that's your premise. Okay, that's all you need to know. So sit back and enjoy the ride, and I've, I've tried to, you know, I've, I took little notes to indicate when there's a major shift in what's happening on the show, to talk about so we don't get lost. But I think I think you'll find this is easy to follow along, okay? So, without further ado, let's get started. Number one, when the intro... See, I didn't get very far. When the intro happens and it's the... It's the WF letters flying through, like, the canyon and they get struck by lightning, the WWF. Oh, the World Wrestling Federation. The WF, what the world is watching. Boom! First of all, I love it. But when the when the intro or the signature for this time period fades away, I'm so used to seeing this signature when I used to watch WrestleMania 5 as a kidster, I was immediately disappointed when the intro faded away and the saxophone didn't kick in. The Mega Powers explode at WrestleMania. So, yeah, that's an example of what a point of interest could be for old Johnny C. Number two. The show starts with shots of the World Trade Centers. Doesn't age well. But then we get our intro video package, which is uh, cut-together images and videos uh, that sort of have a frame skip applied to them. It looks really 80s and fucking awesome. The SummerSlam 88 theme song, and you can see this point has multiple things to talk about. That way I don't cheat, because I'd already be up to like 14 at this point. 
Um, the, the intro song is just a Saturday Night's Made Event theme, which is kind of disappointing. Um, Miss Elizabeth in this video is wearing a dress. Now, the dress is a little more revealing than I would have expected from this time frame, and that's fine. It's not the dress she wears on the VHS cover, which is disappointing, because the video ends with Miss Elizabeth holding back the Mega Powers the same way she does on the poster and looking back towards the camera. And honestly, honestly, it's kind of arousing the way that she grasps these big, beefy men. And she's so tiny, I'm kind of like, oh, I could, you know, I mean... They've made porn parodies for less. Let's get the SummerSlam 88 poster porn parody, shall we? Although, although I wouldn't necessarily enjoy watching a porn parody actor of Hulk Hogan perform. If we can find a porn actor that looks close enough to Hulk Hogan, though, I'm willing to give it a shot for the effort. Because if you're willing to transform your appearance into that of a Hulk Hogan, dude, I'd, I will reward your sacrifice by watching your video. So kudos to you if you exist. The last thing here is that it's called SummerSlam 88. The banners and the aprons even all say SummerSlam 88, which is not a big deal. But it is so un-WWF-like, it has to be mentioned. It's so NWA-WCW-like, it has to be mentioned. I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. I mean, hell, they don't even actually say the numbers of WrestleMania when they're promoting it now. You're lucky if you, you know, you might get Michael Cole being like, this is the 39th iteration of WrestleMania here at SoFi Stadium. And that might only happen once. You know, they're not like, welcome to WrestleMania 39. They just say WrestleMania and then they try to, you know. I, I'm sure that there are internal people that try to keep the numerology alive like Michael Cole. One positive thing he's done, I suppose. But at the same time, the fact that it's SummerSlam 88 just stands out so much like a sore thumb. I just thought I would mention it. Number three. As we all know, ladies and gentlemen, this show is hosted by Gorilla Monsoon, who I love and adore. We also know that, much like myself, Gorilla Monsoon has a bad habit He's a bit of a repeater. And in all actuality, if you narrow it down, he's got one particular phrase that he loves to repeat. I'll give you a second to think about it. Do, do, do. Got it? It's a happening! Gorilla Monsoon loves to refer to spectacular events as a happening! It's a happening, Jess! Okay, so I didn't get every single inference because eventually I was like, you know what? I'm moving on. I'm not going to track all these. But I, just to illustrate the point, at 1 minute and 21 seconds, Gorilla Monsoon says, It's a happening! At 1 minute and 34 seconds! Notice we went from 121 to 134. At 134, he says, It's a happening! And then you'll notice at 1 minute and 42 seconds, he says, It's a happening! Oh. My. God. In 21 seconds, he said it three times. Then he says it again at 6 minutes and 36 seconds. He says it again at 8 minutes and 18 seconds, and then icing on the cake. Near the 15-minute mark, we're inching dangerously close to it. Gorilla Monsoon's like, Well, Superstar, this is the event they've been waiting for all summer! And then at 15 minutes on the dot, he says, And it is, in fact, 
happening. So I'm counting it because the word happening is used. And I swear, I feel like he wanted to say, and it is in fact a happening. But he just was like, and it is in fact a happening. <laughs> it's a factual statement, Superstar. Which means, according to my mathematic calculations, in the first 15 minutes of this show, Gorilla Monsoon said happening six times, which means during the first 15 minutes of this broadcast, there is a 40% chance that at any second, Gorilla Monsoon could say a happening. And I think, I think that clearly illustrates what's happening with item number three. Now, moving on to number four here, and I don't think I've even mentioned yet that uh, tonight's main event, just in case you don't know, is the Mega Powers taking on the Mega Bucks with special guest referee Jesse the Body Ventura. You know, he's the only one that can maintain law and order in a match that big. But because of that special guest referee assignment, a side effect means that number four is for, I believe, the only time in the official canon of premium live events, Superstar Billy Graham, or Scott Steiner, I'm not quite sure, is the commentary color man with Gorilla Monsoon. Now, I didn't dislike Billy Graham all the way. He says brother a lot, shades of his, his protege, Hulk Hogan. But, uh, Good Lord, I, I didn't. I, I don't think I've ever put two and two together that Scott Steiner was aping Billy Graham's goatee configuration. So I just wanted to mention it. Number five, as Gorilla and Superstar introduce us to the show, you can hear the Fink doing the ten nine eight countdown in the background. I don't understand this because we're already live, baby. Now, if you've never been to a show that's going to be on TV, like right before it gets ready to, you know open up the camera and be like, we are live from Penn State University, College City, USA. You know, the ring announcer is usually like, we'll be live in five, four, three. Famously, you can also hear the fink in the background during the intro video of WrestleMania 6. When one views the galaxies of space, images begin to appear. Five seconds, everybody up. I think they've removed it. Or the video, the Coliseum Home video, like, fixed that, and it doesn't happen on the network. But if you taped WrestleMania 6 off of pay-per-view, you heard it. And I actually think it adds to the WrestleMania 6 intro video, because it's like, two forces are ready to explode. Five seconds, everybody up! You know, because the Fink's yelling it. Here, it just comes across as botchtastic, because it's ludicrous. Now, number six... I want to talk about some faces we saw in the crowd. Now, when we first got a shot of the crowd, there was a gentleman who I think was maybe a security guard with some bright-ass red hair, but it's in a buzz cut configuration. And speaking of buzz, this guy looks like a hybrid of Brock Lesnar and Buzz from Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, and to a lesser extent, that Home Alone with the British kid. Who's like, Mom, I'm home alone and I'm going to eat some cake. Jojo. Yeah, because he's from Jojo Rabbit. Now, more importantly, though, after Superstar and Gorilla do their introductions, the camera goes to the ringside area and does a left-to-right pan just to show us how enthusiastic the fans are here in the mecca that is Madison Square Garden. Ladies and gentlemen, the front row 
is it hell of an all-star lineup of who's who's? The first person we see is a very, very, very skinny version of A.C. Slater. Next to him is a guy doing the Four Horsemen sign, letting you know that it's 1988 and the Four Horsemen are going strong. Holy shit! Like Waldo, behind Four Horsemen guy, you can see Vlad the Superfan. I swear to you, I didn't even see him at first when I paused and rewound to write this shit down because these guys, is a, this is a murderer's row of people. I saw Vlad barely with his glasses, and the fucker is Waldo. Next to the Four Horsemen guy is what I'm calling almost Paul Heyman. It's a guy in a suit, balding like Paul Heyman, a little bloated like Paul Heyman, but it'd be like if we had Paul Heyman from the next big thing, Brock Lesnar era, in 1988. This guy has to be seen to be believed. Why does he exist here? What's with the suit? Next to almost Paul Heyman are two gentlemen who are playing the old game of, hey, we're on camera, let's strangle each other comically. And the dude on the right looks like a dead ringer for the Survivor Series 90 Undertaker guy. Now, if you're not familiar with the Survivor Series 90 Undertaker guy, when the Undertaker makes his debut, they cut to the crowd, and there's this dude with a Freddie Mercury mustache with his mouth wide open as if to say, my God. What is The Undertaker? Am I frightened or aroused? And this choking guy looks just like Undertaker guy. Rounding out the all-star cast, we've got a grandma sitting down, not wanting to stand up. And next to her, a young boy that probably might not be her grandson. As there's a, a difference in race, which of course doesn't really mean anything concrete. But I'm going to go with it because it goes with my motif of so many unique opposites here in the front row. Like, what's this little kid doing sitting next to this grandma? Did they win some sort of a, a I don't know, a magazine sweepstakes? I, I, Is it maybe his grandma Josephine and he's like a Charlie Bucket situation? I mean, I don't know. All I know is we're only two minutes and 12 seconds into this fucking show, and I've already got six things of interest. I'm excited. So... The fabulous Rougeau brothers are in the ring. Uh, the Fink lets us know they're soon to relocate to the United States. And here come the British Bulldogs with their mascot, Matilda. Now, when they give the British Bulldogs, that is, their dog to the ring attendant, dude is a dead ringer for Theon Greyjoy. But they uh, they start to have a match. Right before the match begins, I want to get into the point of interest that is number seven. Would we finally get like a really nice, crisp, clear shot of Davy Boy Smith? Superstar Billy Graham audibly gasps and then pontificates about his physique. Dude, if you are so bloated and exploding that you impress superstar Billy Graham, you're probably going to die due the steroid use, but that's impressive. Like, that's a feat. To impress a superstar Billy Graham? Kudos to you, Davey boy. I mean, you're oof, cycling up for this bad boy. Uh, the match begins, like I said, point number eight. All right. There are so many fantastic examples of brotherly love in this match. Uh, one point specific that tickled my fancy was Jacques Rougeau was really taking a pounding. And when he made the tag to brother Raymond, before getting into the action, Raymond made sure to hug Jacques tightly to help him recover with a pat on the back. And afterwards, immediately Jacques was like, oh, I'm feeling better. Thank you, brother. And it, it just really cracked me up. Uh, number nine, again involving Raymond Rougeau, he whips Davy Boy into the corner 
and charges and does a monkey flip to the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. As Davy Boy Smith is flipping over from the monkey flip position, he counters out of it by doing a cartwheel and then hits one of the deepest arm drags I've ever seen. I don't know. I haven't seen a ton of British Bulldog matches. And if Davy Boy, like, does this all the time, well, tickle me, uh, educated. I I just thought it was really fucking cool. You know? Uh, number 10. Shortly after this, the crowd really starts getting worked into a verbal frenzy, and superstar Billy Graham invents a new streaming service when he's like, Gorilla, I gotta tell you, this is is Pandemonium Plus! That sounded a little Dusty Rose, but they do have a little in common with their lisping. So I don't know, but it's Pandemonium Plus, Gorilla, but I'll tell you what right now. I don't know. Kind of made me laugh. Uh, number 11. At various points during the the contest, and this is, the fabulous Rougeau brothers are so fucking awesome here. Um, especially, this is like, they don't have Jimmy Hart yet, and I know that they're really playing up the, like, we're, we are baby faces, we promise, but the crowd's already wear their heels, but... At random times during the match, Jacques Rougeau will randomly like try to start chants, but they're only really for him. He's like, let's go Raymond, let's go Raymond, and like he'll randomly chant, USA, USA, to try to get Raymond like worked back up. I, I don't know, it really worked for me. It was fantastic character stuff. Number 12, during a submission attempt, uh, somebody has, you know, somebody's, oh, it's, I think it's British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith's ankle is getting worked over. And uh, superstar Billy Graham is all like, look at the torque on that ankle. And I was like, is this superstar Billy Graham or Taz? Well, let me tell you something, Corey. He's really torquing that ankle. Yeah, he's really working it hard. Getting that bean locked in there. Yes, Taz. Joey Numbers cool. Just made me think of Taz. I don't know what you want me to say. So... In the match proper, like, the British Bulldogs have control. The Fabulous Rooster Brothers cheat, and uh, Davy Boy Smith becomes your British Bulldog in peril. Which leads to number 13. Uh, Davy Boy Smith goes for a little kick to fight back. He gets caught, and you would assume that this would be an insegiri spot. It's not. Davy Boy kicks with his other foot, falls, or, like, lands on jumps and lands on his back and monkey flips the fabulous Rougeau brother over him it's just I again like I don't know that I've ever seen that counter before it's you know it's not like changing the world of professional wrestling but I really thought it was fucking cool number 14 shortly after dynamite kid gets this hot tag gorilla monsoon is all like oh look at this such such kinetic action Dynamite's really exploding in there. I'll see myself out now. Okay, he doesn't say I'll see myself out now, but he says dynamite exploding. And I don't know if it was like on purpose or if it was just lucky happenstance, but I really liked it. Number 15, later, Davy Boy Smith delivers his patented running pole slum. And my God, the bounce that Davy Boy Smith gets off of the impact. Like, when he slams the Rougeau down, Davy Boy Smith himself bounces an inch or two into the air. Really, really fucking cool. Number 16, 
a couple of Gorilla Monsoon-isms that I really appreciated. At one point, Jacques Rougeau uh, goes for the abdominal stretch or the Cobra Twist. And Gorilla's all like, well, he's not going to get a submission that way, Superstar. Look, the leg's not hooked properly. Which is such a Gorilla Monsoon thing. He later calls, uh, I think it's Raymond, no, Jacques, no, Raymond Rougeau has somebody in the, it's the camel clutch, but he doesn't have the arms position for the camel clutch. So Gorilla calls it, oh, superstar, look at that, double reverse chin lock. And I was like, well, double reverse chin lock. So it's true, he has him in the chin lock. So if he were to reverse the chin lock, that being Raymond Rougeau, would that mean that he would be sitting on the chest instead of the back? Okay, that's fair. And then let's say he reverses him again, he'd be back where he started. So I guess it is a double reverse chin lock. But you could save yourself some time and be like, oh, superstar, chin lock now. What do I know? Uh, Here's a random fun one. At 20 minutes and 44 seconds, Gorilla Monsoon says, it's a happening. Number 17. Davey Boy Smith gets a hot tag. He Irish whips Jacques Rougeau. Davey Boy goes for a drop kick, but Jacques Rougeau holds on to the top rope so Davey Boy drop kicks no one. Now, at this point in the match narrative, Jacques Rougeau has been in there for some time. He's really taking a pounding. But however, he takes a moment, exhausted, leading and holding onto the top rope to do the patented heel, I use my brain taunt, and I just loved it. It was, it was, it was amazing. He's just like on the verge of death, like, I tell you in my brain, because he points at his brain. It, It was just great. I was really impressed. The British Bulldog, the finish of the match, the British Bulldogs hit their patented maneuver, which is tossing... Uh, Dynamite Kid with a headbutt onto their opponent. Again, I haven't seen a ton of British Bulldog matches. It just kind of surprised me of how awesome it is. But it goes to a time limit draw. Which leads to number 18. All the four wrestlers come center ring and and Gorilla's all like, Oh, it looks like the British Bulldogs are asking for just five more minutes! Just five more! And the Fabulous Rouge are like, Oh, five more minutes! Oh, maybe we could do that! Nope! Slap! They slap the Bulldogs and they run off to the back. The British Bulldogs chase. And superstar Billy Graham yells, being 100% genuine and authentic, Oh, that's right! Get him back there in the locker room! Finish it in the showers, baby! Well, that's one place you could finish it. I'll tell you what, superstar. So not bad. That's the 18th point of interest. Uh, We've got one match down and 70 points of interest to go. So I think we're being fair with what we're identifying. Uh, Before the next match can start, though, Gorilla's got a news break. And again, these are things that we need to talk about to understand what's happening in the show. Brutus the Barber Beefcake is out of the Intercontinental Championship match. Would you like to know why? Would you like to know more? Like Starship Troopers would ask. Uh, Let's go to the footage. Number 19. Number 19. We see uh, Outlaw Ron Bass beating the shit out of Brutus Brutus Barber Beefcake with his whip. Okay. Um, On commentary, it's from an episode of Superstars that just happened. It's Vince and Jesse on commentary. This whole thing is number 19. There are one, two, three, four things I'd like to talk about. Uh, Number one. 
Jesse the Body Ventura thinks this whole situation is funny because it's payback for Brutus the Barber Beefcake cutting everybody's hair. And he says, quote, Well, you know what they say, payback is tough, McMahon. Or, in my words, in Predator, it's payback time. Now, it is true. In Predator, Jesse the Body Ventura, or or as Blaine, grabs his big-ass fucking minigun, spikes the camera, and says, It's payback time. I'm not... I've always tried to figure out what he's talking about. Like, they don't know the people they're about to murder. I guess it's payback for their atrocities against the United States military. But my buddies and I used to kind of randomly look at one another and be like, it's payback time, just because we think it's a stupid but awesome line. And I just think it's great that Jesse referenced it. And of course he referenced it. He's a whore for himself. Shades of a Johnny C. The second point, we all know, Ron Bass cuts the shit out of Brutus's head with the spur, which leads to point number three, the giant red censored X that makes this thing look like it's a horrifying massacre. And I approve. It adds a lot to the segment. Number four, Brutus takes a pounding for some time. Finally, the crowd pops because someone is coming to rescue. You know, when someone comes to rescue you, it's like, Here comes Hulk Hogan! Or, It's the Macho Man! Not for Brutus the Barber Beefcake in the summer of 88, though. We get Vince yelling, Here come some of the wrestlers! And you get, like, Tito, Coco Beware. Like, your, your third stringers. So I thought that, that was pretty funny. Uh, Bad News Brown is in the ring for the next contest. Who is his opponent? Number 20. His opponent is Ken Patera with the creaminess. Uh, I didn't realize that Ken Patera comes out to John Williams' Olympic theme song. ba 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 of course, illegal here on Peacock. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time I've ever heard Ken Patera's dubbed theme. I want this dubbed theme. You only get to hear it for like 10 seconds because Bad News Brown immediately assaults him. But it sounds like either the start to an awesome power ballad or an awesome Saturday morning cartoon. I'm not sure which. But honestly, what upsets me the most about this entire theme song situation is that Ken Patera slides into the ring and immediately is attacked by Bad News Brown, and the song just dies. It dies a death, and when am I ever going to get to see Ken Patera come out on his own again? I might have to do some research into the network archives and get a get a copy of this bad boy, because it fucking rules. Now, the, ba- the match does start. And eventually, after Bad News Brown beats on Ken Patera for a while, we finally come to number 21. When Ken Patera gets back on offense, fires up, and takes his jacket off, you get this beautiful shot of him, and his mouth is agape, and his hair is at full poof level. I mean, I've heard all sorts of mockeries of Ken Patera, but I've never heard of it compared to Richard Simmons. And I am getting a massive Richard Simmons here. I'm just waiting for him to spike the camera and be like, Are you ready to sweat? Alright, come on, boys. Let's sweat. Work harder. Come on. Get into it. Sweetie, it's not going to shake itself. And, I, and hey, I like Richard Simmons. I've seen plenty of Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies infomercial in my youth on summer vacation when there's nothing to do and you're flipping channels and you're just, you know, you turn to the infomercial channel and it's just like, wow. What is a Richard Simmons. 
And you watch the sweat into the oldies infomercial a couple times. Now, Ken takes it to Bad News Brown. Okay? And during this match, I don't really know what to call it because it's really not entertaining. But Tara takes it to Bad News Brown. And I got a couple of quotes which equate to our number 22 point of interest. Okay? Um... Gorilla Monsoon at multiple times yells various things. The first one that caught my ear was, Oh, he's on fire! And he says it just like the NBA Jam announcer. He's on fire! Can't buy a bucket. Oh! Can't buy a bucket. That's my favorite is can't buy a bucket, obviously. He's on fire! Heat it up now! And then later, Gorilla Monsoon yells, Oh, it's payback time! Which we just heard Jesse Ventura pontificate about. Number 23. Later in the match, Ken Patera is standing up and we get a profile shot. And now he kind of fucking looks like Brian Cranston. Just from the nosal area. Alright. I'm not saying he looks like Brian Cranston all the time. It was just this one fleeting moment. Number 24. And this really shocked me. Ken Patera locks in the bear hug on Bad News Brown. And I'm deadly serious when I say this, folks. Superstar Billy Graham gives an awesome analysis of the bear hug, which is something that I didn't think was even fucking possible or I didn't think was something I'd ever want to fucking hear. He talks about, you know, Ken Patera needs to get down on his knees. He needs to get down on his knees and drive that shoulder into it and poke it in, poke that shoulder in. And then later... Bad News Brown gets out of this bear hug from poking Ken Patera in the eye. And Superstar Billy Graham's like, you see what I mean, Gorilla? Ken Patera needed to get down on that knees and drive in that shoulder. It's squeeze. It's squeeze. But he left his facial area open, which allowed Bad News to break the hold. Fuck me sideways. It, it was competent, true analysis. Number 25. Later in the match... The gentlemen botch a corner whip, and the crowd audibly boos. Because even in 1988, especially here in New York City, we're keenly aware that this is a, a worked encounter, and botching a corner whip is just unacceptable. Number 26. I fucking love the Ghetto Blaster. It is such an awesome move. And I love that Bad News just hits it standing. He doesn't, like... Put a hand down and cart... I mean, and I've seen him put, put, like, a hand down to balance himself. But in this one, I mean, he's just standing, leap, twist, kick in the skull, ghetto blaster. Bad News Brown gets the 1-2-3 and is victorious at SummerSlam 88. Now it's time for a Mega Powers interview. Each Mega Power pontificates that they are benefiting from this new form of energy. The Macho Madness is absorbing the Hulkamania and it's empowering me, yeah. Oh, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. The Macho Madness is just powering Hulkamania, dude. They let us know that Miss Elizabeth is their secret weapon as she contains the kiss of death. Miss Elizabeth, of course, leans toward the camera. And when I say she leans toward the camera... I mean, you know what I'm talking about. She blows a kiss of death, shades of Sonya Blade, and they finish with the Mega Powers handshake. I love it. Time for our next match, and for our next point of interest. It's number 27. It's kind of a combo here. Ravishing Rick Rude is coming out to the ring with Bobby the Brain Heenan. And another point on WWF dubbed music. 
Ravishing Rick Rude's dub entrance theme sounds like it's drunk. Now, I don't know how it's possible for a piece of music which contains not thought, not liver, not mouth, not skull, no body whatsoever, but somehow this piece of music sounds like it's drunk. It's like... It's like... I feel like a, it puts in my head a vision of, like, Tammy Sitch drunkenly stripping uh, as she's trying to get out of being arrested. Like, hey, boys, I know you want to arrest me, but look what I can do. Oh, and she trips. Oh, it's okay, boys. You just sit down and wait till you see my nipples. Then, still on number 27 here, Gorilla Monsoon, they're, they're like talking about everything that Ravishing Rick Root is. Like the robes, the tie-dye pants, the, the, the way that his body is in perfect shape and stuff like that. And Gorilla's like, boy, he's really got a pack. Oh, he's got a, he's really got a package. Man, that thing's big, says superstar Billy Graham. And I, do, 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 they, do they know? Do they know what we're talking about here? Number 28, some fantastic crowd shots of 1988 moms in the crowd reacting to ravishing Rick Rube taking off his robe and mocking the men of New York City. There is a woman who is taking a photograph of ravishing Rick Rude. And ladies and gentlemen, the most 1988 thing you're going to see in your entire life is this woman's camera. It has exposed like eight flashbulbs attached to it to get the perfect shot. I, I was like, I paused this screenshot of this woman about to take a picture. And if you watch the show, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I was just, I just had to really take this camera technology in. It was really something. And then we cut to a couple of ladies who are like, like kind of poking each other. Like, look, it's ravishing Rick Root. Oh my God, it's Dick. And one of the ladies looks like Hillary Clinton, which is possible because it's New York. And the other one looks like a de-aged Carmela Soprano, which, you know, Jersey is very close to New York. I don't know. It's just really nice to see these 1988 moms having themselves a time. Uh, the Junkyard Dog is the opponent, I know, because he is on the tights of Ravishing Rick Rude. And next, he comes down the aisle. So, the match begins and that's totally fine no, you know nothing really bad there okay um but during the match some interesting things happen but the thing that interests well the first thing that taught my caught my attention was at the beginning rick rude attacks jyd from behind and and of course gorilla monsoon calls it a pearl harbor job it, it just kind of struck me because oh this is number 29 by the way this whole Oh, this whole beginning of the match. It's the Pearl Harbor job. And I've been watching Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor in an attempt to see if I could do an episode of Junkman on it. So it just tickled my fancy. And oh my God, Pearl Harbor. What a movie. Uh, but the JYD no-sells most of Rude's offense and then does a back body drop to Ravishing Rick Rude. And Rude almost does a complete flip and lands on his feet. It's glorious. And then... JYD gets down and give him gives Rude three thump headbutts. Rude rolls out of the ring, and then JYD stands up and does himself a little shimmy. 
It's pretty cool. Number 30. Hey, look how close we are to 88. Uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, as, a, as an actor in this match, actually has a pretty good idea of what to do. Uh, he's full of HBO or head-based offense. Every single maneuver that he does in a JYD is an attempt to injure the skull. And I think it's pretty cool. Number 31, during the course of this match, I noticed that, holy shit, Bobby the Brain Heenan is wearing the exact same outfit he will wear at WrestleMania 6, the black outfit with the gold glitter Rolls Royce on the back. I'm a little disappointed because I thought that was an exclusive to WrestleMania 6 outfit, but I guess it is not. That's okay, I suppose. Uh, Number 32... After JYD gets back on offense, to get the heat back, Ravishing Rick Rude cuts off JYD's offense with a nice side Russian leg sweep, which is called, Oh, Reverse Neckbreaker! By Gorilla Monsoon. Flip side of that, I suppose, is that uh, Superstar Billy Graham is good at the psychology in this match because, you know, he does talk about the the head-based offense. And then Ravishing Rick Rude uh, goes up top and brings us number 33. He pulls down his tights on the top rope. I thought to expose himself to the lady with the eight flash bulbs, but oh no. He's got a pair of secret trunks underneath his tights. And uh, instead of the JYD's face adorning, he's got the face of Cheryl Roberts' lips right on the junk. Whoa, look at us, Jake the Snake out of nowhere. Jake the Snake does come in and attacks to get uh, JYD DQ'd. Post-match, JYD looks pissed that Jake interfered, and I was just wondering to myself, has has Junkyard Dog ever been a heel? I mean, I I don't really know, but I'm interested. After this match, Mean Gene's in the back with the Honky Tonk Man. Of course, Brutus is injured. Honky Tonk Man's like, I don't care who'd go find me. Give me anyone, because I'm the Honky Tonk Man. I don't really care. Well, rumor has it, Honky Tonk Man, a very formidable man, has been chosen. And no, 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 don't you tell me, Green Bean. I don't want to know right now. Ha! Big mistake, says Gorilla as we're back in the arena. In the ring, the Slickster and his paragons from the USSR, the Bolsheviks. Their opponents, well, we get the Russian National Anthem, and their opponents, ladies and gentlemen, are the Powers of Pain, and the Powers of Pain have music, and they get a sweet entrance walking from the back locker room like they're a goddamn 1984 or 85 Hulk Hogan. Unbelievable. They attack the Bolsheviks immediately, and the bell is rung, but number 34, holy shit! The Powers of Pain are seconded by a gentleman wearing a Darth Sidious cloak with face paint named the Baron! The Baron! It's Baron Von Raschke, the Nazi guy? And apparently this is his debut as the manager? I did a little bit of internet research, as Lex Luger would say, and and, and this gimmick was not long for the world, but right away, I was like, what the fuck? You know, I thought, I, I, I like to pride myself on knowing most of the little things about pro wrestling, but holy, this is a new one for me. Introducing the Baron! Will he contribute to this match? Well, you have to keep listening to find out. Number 35 here now. Allow me to just say some generic positive things about the uh, babyface version of the Powers of Pain. I like seeing these two big brutes being good guys celebrated by the fans. Hitting high impact offense. uh, No selling stuff. Like It was just very entertaining in general. You know, I haven't seen a ton of Powers of Pain face stuff and uh, I dug it. Hey, 
You want to watch the powers of pain do some face stuff? Eh? Yeah, it's okay. I'll just watch it on my own. The bottle of Pinot. This big movie, Kevin Nash. Waiting for the powers of pain to do some face stuff. Number 36. At one point in the match, I think it's the Warlord, gets corner whipped by Boris Zukov. Boris Zukov puts his head down. Warlord charges out and touches Boris Zukov's skull. And ladies and gentlemen, Boris Zukov gives himself a pedigree. He face pl- he jumps and like face plants straight down as if he's taking a pedigree. I'm not sure what he thought the warlord did by touching his head. And this pedigree didn't get the one, two, three, so I'm not sure what inspired a young Jean-Paul Levesque to do the pedigree, because it clearly doesn't work on a Boris Zukov. Well, I guess there wasn't the driving momentum of a Jean-Paul Levesque with the pedigree, so maybe that's what inspired him to try it. But yeah, he fucking pedigrees himself. Number 37. Uh, some fun commentary here. Superstar Billy Graham's like, Oh, Gorilla Mathu, can you imagine if one of the powers of pain showed up at the door to date your daughter? Huh! No, I couldn't, Superstar. I tell you what, what if it was a double date and they both showed up bringing the old doorbell? I tell you what, if these guys come into my house bringing the doorbell, I'm calling the cops. I'm calling the police. I kind of, you know, Superstar Billy Graham really grew on me. Uh, the match is a typical formula. The Warlord eventually becomes in peril. Number 38. At one point when the Warlord is in peril, ladies and gentlemen, Nikolai Volkov. The winner of the prestigious Freedom Award uh, charges at the Warlord and does his patented yelling spin kick. You know, the one where he's like, He does yell. He does spin. But when he goes to do the kick, he just sort of lifts his knee up like he's doing like a high knee like exercise. And there's no kick here, but the Warlord sells the impact. Who's at fault? Eventually, the Warlord makes the hot tag to Barbie. Number 39. Speaking of Barbie. When Barbarian comes in as a house of fire, he's delivering some Uso-level super kicks to the Bolsheviks. And I was just very impressed by these super kicks. Uh, Eventually, the Powers of Pain win with their Power Slam diving headbutt combo. Uh, Happy to report in this contest, the Baron did absolutely nothing. Gorilla indicates that he wants to see the powers of pain take on demolition. Oh, you will, Gorilla. But things might feel and look a little bit different when you do. What's up next on SummerSlam 88? It's the Brother Love Show! Okay, that's fine, I suppose. Number 40. I love Brother Love's song, specifically the beginning when the voice goes, I want someone to do like a blues riff like over the Brother Love Show theme song like just start singing Oh my baby She broke my heart Talking about a lady I I can't do blues I'm just just sad Now this this is part of number 40 here Uh, Brother Love says the WWF promised him a special guest And now that Brother Love knows who the special guest is, he feels accurate in reporting that the only thing that makes this person special is the fact that today 
They will be his guest on the Brother Love Show, and I found that humorous. His guest is someone that needs a lesson in love. Brother Hacksaw Jim Duggan! Oh my god, it is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, Just to keep up with the continuity of the show, Hacksaw says he's here for two reasons. Number one, ho! That is number one. Number two, I'm going to show the world that you're a phony. You're a big fat phony. Number 41, point of interest here. During this interview, Brother Love refers to Hacksaw as Brother Dugan. And it makes me laugh. The whole point of this is to set up a a feud with Dino Bravo coming out of this. uh, Because Dino Bravo loves his country and it doesn't seem that Hacksaw Jim Duggan loves anything. Of course, Hacksaw gets furious at this. Things escalate. Duggan... Tells Brother Love he's going to shove his 2x4 where the sun don't shine. And gives Brother Love the count of five to get out of his ring. Number 42, as Hacksaw Jim Duggan reaches two on his countdown. Brother Love's like, but Brother Hacksaw, I'm wearing glasses. You wouldn't hit a man with glasses. Brother Love eventually bails at four. And it's time for our next contest. It is... The Intercontinental Championship match. Out first, the reigning defending champion, the Honky Tonk Man. Eat the Honky Tonk Man. Eat the Honky Tonk Man. Number 43. I really notice at this point that when uh, some of the superstars make their entrance, because as the Honky Tonk Man's making his now, when they need a little extra protection, they're flanked by three uniformed New York police officers. Now, I want you to picture three uniformed New York police officers in 1988 in your head. All right, that is exactly what the three police officers look like here in SummerSlam 88. Your stereotype is correct. Number 44, superstar Billy Graham indicates the honky-tonk man has had the Intercontinental Championship for over two years. Well, some mathematics here, ladies and gentlemen. The Honky Tonk Man's historic Intercontinental Championship-based reign lasted 454 days. Now, it looks like Superstar indicated it was over two years, meaning two years plus. Well, he's 276 days of two years, and that's not even including this fictional plus, okay? Now... That was number 44. A word, ladies and gentlemen, on what's about to happen. Rather than take the easy way out and just give, you know, this whole Intercontinental Championship match one point of interest, because we all know it's very short, I just want to let you all know I'm willing to give out points of interest to every small little touch that tickles my fancy. So I just want you to know I'm not going to be, I'm not going to cheapen out. You know, my goal here is not, like I said, I just want to get at least 88. I'm willing to keep going. So I'm not, like, trying to manipulate the... Sc- and again, it's not a points thing, but, you know, it's it's a fun thing. I'm not trying to manipulate things to get to 88, to not get to 88, or to get well over 88. I'm just being honest. So, number 45, when the Fink goes to announce the opponent, he just shrugs like, I don't know who the opponent is. And... It's funny because the Fink's face is like, I don't know. But also, I like the sort of allusion to uh, building suspense. You know, it's like, I Fink doesn't even know what's going on. Number 46, 
we stall just the right amount of time before playing the theme music of the Challenger. Like we really do. It, it's done quite well. And ladies and gentlemen, unprecedented moment here at SummerSlam 88 honoring man. I am actually going to take away a point of interest because I am flummoxed by what happens next. Okay? And I, yeah, I'm inventing rules here on the fly, so fuck you. When Ultimate Warrior's music starts, Gorilla's like, wait a minute, that's somebody's music. You know, Gorilla, I think that is very familiar music. Like, it goes, like, this is up there with, wait, whose side is he on? But I, that at least makes sense, because Bobby Heaton has always doubted the allegiance of Hulk Hogan. But they're just sitting here pretending like they don't know it's the Ultimate Warrior. And it really ruins it for me, mentally. How about Gorilla just says, hold on, wait a minute. Is he here? I haven't seen him all day. Yes, it's the warrior. Like when the warrior runs out. Like just indicate to the audience you're not an idiot. Like, oh, that's familiar music, but I can't quite place it, superstar. Like that just doesn't work for me. Okay, it really fucking doesn't. It is the ultimate warrior. And here comes, I guess, the official number 46 point of interest. Warrior runs in. The bell rings. He hits three punches to the Ultimate Warrior, or excuse me, to the Honky Tonk Man, and then celebrates by comedically thrusting his dick forward. It's glorious. Number 47. The Ultimate Warrior hits his patented flying shoulder tackle, and the way the Honky Tonk Man sells this is by crashing to the ground, sitting halfway up and being like, oh, have mercy, I think that really hurt my head. Oh, like he, he like sits halfway up and pivots like, oh, Priscilla, oh, we gotta get him, we gotta go see Dr. Priscilla. Oh, it hurts. It's glorious. A clothesline from Parts Unknown and a big splash, and number 48, history has been made here in Madison Square Garden. I just love when Gorilla says history has been made. Number 49, when the bell rings and Warrior is the new champion, he does another celebration. He, his body gets completely stiff, ladies and gentlemen, but his crotch thrusts forward in tiny pivots of celebration, and it makes his entire body move, even though he's completely stiff again. If you're looking for it after I've described it, you will see it, and you will laugh. Number 50, a nice bonus coming out of this history-making event. And it's nice because it's number 50, which is always sort of an important number to get to in situations. Ladies and gentlemen, the bell rings at 1 minute 9 seconds and 43 seconds. Gorilla Monsoon says, this place is going bananas! At one minutes and one minute and ten seconds, and excuse me, one hour, ten minutes and fifty-four seconds, he says, "This place is bananas again." However, in between these two banana, he says bananas again, which means, in sixty-nine seconds, Gorilla Monsoon says bananas three times, which is an average of one banana every twenty-three seconds. It is a historic moment, justifiably so. This comes across just as good as it did in its heyday. I love it. I really fucking do. Warrior Squash is Honky Tonk Man, ending the historic reign in like 18 seconds. I mean, it's glorious. Intermission! I love it. Cut from the network, of course, but I love intermissions on shows. 
We replay the intro to SummerSlam 88. I like that, and I'm embarrassed. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it's not the Saturday Night's main event theme song they play here. It's the song that would eventually become the Royal Rumble theme song. Because I'm listening to it, and in my head I go, Ha-Ku! And I was like, wait a minute, why would I say Ha-Ku to this song? And it's because it's the Royal Rumble song. Yeah. And now, folks, we are in for a very special treat. Because after the intermission... Superstar Billy Graham and Gorilla Monsoon are up in the broadcast position, up in the crow's nest, and we're joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan. I love it. Now, Bobby has some information for us. He wants to let us know what the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks have been up to in the backstage area. He lets us know first that, Wait, Andre! Andre's in the back! reading the Wall Street Journal, and, and Ted DiBiase is counting four suitcases full of money! And Virgil's in the corner enjoying it all. Couple of things here. Virgil in the corner enjoyed it all. Is this some sort of a fetish that only a Virgil has? Is he in the corner perhaps pleasuring himself watching folks read and count money? It's a unique fetish, but hey, the world's a big place. I'm sure someone out there shares it. But more importantly, who knew? Andre the Giant could read, and I love the idea of Andre being like, Hey, hey, Mr. DiBiase, uh, the Wall Street Journal says that the stock for orange juice is up, but the stock prices for peanuts are down. But Mr. Million Dollar Man, I really like peanuts. Why is the stock money down so much? Well, you see, Andre, you have to understand how stocks and bonds and things like that really work. Mr. DiBiase, all I know is peanuts are better than orange juice. And orange juice should be not as much money as a peanut, Mr. DiBiase. Do you have a peanut, Mr. DiBiase? The Mega Powers, what are they up to? Well, apparently the Mega Powers have put a dresser in front of the door to their locker room so no one can open it and no one can come get them when the match starts because they are afraid. Oh, will you stop, Bobby the Brain? Uh, we head down to the to the ring now, and it looks like the Fink is ready to go with our next contest. But, strangely, the Fink's voice is dubbed over, and some really shitty dubbed music starts to play. It's like a zero out of ten. Okay, we talked about Ken Patera's awesome dub. Don't even get me started on Sid Vicious's WCW dub, which is a fucking ten out of ten. The greatest dub in the history of our sport. Nope, it's a dub song for The Rock. Don Morocco, uh, no Jesus Christ superstar for you. I'm wondering if superstar Billy Graham can be objective during this contest. As we know, he has been managing and training The Rock Don Morocco. And holy shit, Bobby the Brain Heenan puts on a headset. It looks like he's going to be joining us for this match too. Point of interest. Number 51. You know, Graham, does it bother you to hear that music and do nothing? You just sit up here on your butt. I love it. Frenchie Martin leads down the opponent, Mr. Dino Bravo, the Marlboro man himself. Uh, Frenchie has carried a picket sign indicating he supports the writers and actors of Hollywood. Actually, his sign says, USA, not okay. He grabs the microphone and speaks in French. And holy shit! That's not Frenchie Martin. That is Bernie fucking Lomax. Because I'll tell you what, 
Frenchie Martin is a dead ringer for Weekend at Bernie's actor Terry Kaiser. And you know what? Terry Kaiser also appeared in Mannequin 2 on the move as like an evil count from a European country that has a monocle. I like the brand synergy. Richard Richard Frenchie invited us out to his to his cabin up at the Hamptons for the weekend. Oh wait, no, it's not the Hamptons, it's up in Quebec. Hey, Richard, why's Bernie's cabin up in Quebec? He ain't no Canadian Frenchie, is he? Richard Well, guess it's gonna be a weekend of Frenchies, Richard. It's a uh, fucking Andrew McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, point of interest number fifty-two. As Frenchie Martin is pontificating en France, Gorilla's like, "Oh, get out of here! Go back to France!" We cut to a very angry man in a fucking Canadian tuxedo of dark denim with some fucking Andrew Dice Clay hair, screaming like, "Hey, hey, Frenchie Martin! I don't want, I don't want to listen to you!" And Gorilla adds, "Oh." And this guy will give you half the fare to get there. The bell rings. Um, right away, superstar Billy Graham starts to shut down the, the, the legality of what Dino Bravo gave us at the Royal Rumble 88 when he did the weightlifting. He's talking about how, like, the weights weren't legal, the spotter wasn't legal, the bar wasn't legal, etc., etc. Which leads us to point number 53. The brain chimes in, hey, superstar! You want to talk legal? Try 30 miles per hour. Now shut up! I love it. Superstar Billy Graham calls Frenchie Martin a total ignorant gorilla. He's a total ignorant. He's hating on our country, but he loves our dollar bills, y'all. And I'm like, three dollar bills, y'all? Number 54. The Rock Don Morocco does a monkey flip to Dito Bravo, which looks awful. And then Dino Bravo hops right up and sort of leaps into an arm drag like two little kidsters playing in the playground. It's pathetic, sad, and I couldn't be happier that it happened that rocked on Morocco and Dino Bravo. Number 55, Bobby the Brain chimes in with some more dynamite advice. You know, all the rock Morocco is good for is going back to Hawaii and then changing the oil on all the buses that takes the tourists to the beach. Oh, you know what? You know what, Bobby the Brain Heenan? I can take you to his locker room. I can take you to his locker room. You can say that to his face. You know? No, Superstar. I don't have time to talk to any ignorance. <laughs> he calls him any ignorance. Uh, the match proper ends when pandemonium breaks out. Frenchie Martin gets up on the apron. The referee gets kicked during a teardrop suplex. And Dino Bravo hits his side suplex. One, two, three... Dino Bravo wins. Uh, Superstar Billy Graham is all pissed off. He didn't out of nowhere yells, Don't touch me! Don't you touch me! And then he leaves the area. Oh, I'll tell you this, guys. Like, I don't really fucking care about this match. But the interplay of these three on commentary was an absolute fucking win. Because I knew the Rock Don Morocco was going to have to fight Dino Bravo on this pay-per-view. And when Bobby joined us, it became the unexpected pleasure of the evening. Sean Mooney's in the back with Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, Jesse the Body, how about the controversy surrounding you accepting money from the million dollar man? Well, you know, Sean Mooney, I'm really the only man in the World Wrestling Federation that can do the referee assignment. And you know, that money wasn't for refereeing the match. Ted DiBiase just gave it to me. What was I supposed to do? Just give it back? Back out in the arena, it's time for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team title match. In the ring currently, 
the babyface version of the Hart Foundation with no entrance. No entrance at all. Uh, Bret Hart spikes the camera and goes, yeah, because he's cool. Point number 56, here come the champions, Demolition, and there's no fucking dub music for them. Here comes the Ajax. Here comes the Smasher. It's Demolition, a walking disaster. Mr. Fuji, or excuse me, excuse me, I'm sorry, don't hit me. Master Fuji, of course, leads his charges to the ring, but they're also joined by the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart who's here to advise on his former comrades, the Hart Foundation, who betrayed him. Uh, I love Evil Axe's face paint as he takes off his mask. It's like the black and silver configuration. I love it. Uh, point of interest, number 57. Uh, superstar Billy Graham asks us to imagine, can you imagine the Mouth of the South and the man from Japan sitting down by the fire talking, oh, it must have been brutal. And, and yeah, I, I agree. But you know, I'd kind of like to be a fly on the wall to hear that conversation. Oh, I gotta tell you, Master Fuji, and I'll tell you what's going on right now with the Heart Foundation. Oh, but the Hitman Heart, he thinks he's so cool. He thinks he's a great actor, too. And he thinks he's the best, best brother of all the hearts. And he thinks he's better than Hulk Hogan. I'll tell you what right now, Master Fuji. And he's not. And all you gotta do is kick him real hard in the dick, and he'll go down from the one, two, three. Oh, yes, uh, Jimmy Hart. Uh, I understand. But you'll excuse me, I'm training for WrestleMania 5K. I must go and run. Excuse me, Mr. Hart. Oh, come on, Mr. Fuji. We got a lot more here to talk about. He's going to go out that door. He's going to start running. Oh, God, Mr. Fuji, you're going to run around the mountain area here, around this cabin. There ain't nothing around but, but animals and stuff. Now he's really running. Oh, God, he's running in that suit. He's going to get hot. He's going to be sweaty, Mr. Fuji. All right, well, if he's going to run, I'm just going to sit here. Hey, Mr. Fuji, you going to eat this chicken and dumplings? All right, Master Fuji, I'm going to eat this chicken and dumplings. These are the individuals, that being Demolition and the Heart Foundation, would, of course, meet again two years later at SummerSlam, my first SummerSlam, but that's in the future. Let's focus on the present. Uh, Bret Hart out-wrestles both of the uh, demos before tagging into Reino. Uh, superstar Billy Graham identifies the Rhino, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, as a man from another planet. Well, that's fair, I suppose. Uh, number 58, finally. Superstar Billy Graham lets us know that the anvil has a jaw head like he's a marine. But it's weird because he's got a beard like a ZZ Top. Yeah, I know. My superstar sounds like Dusty Rhodes. I'm sorry. Axe beats down the rhino with a double axe. And uh, the anvil is your rhino in peril. Hot tags made to Bret Hart to really no reaction. Uh, Bret gets tossed into the buckle and hits Mr. Fuji's cane. And now his shoulder is in peril. Uh, number 59, just a piece of information. I like the continuity on commentary tonight. During every tag team match, Gorilla and Superstar have mentioned that we need to have a second referee in tag team matches. And they bring it up each match when something happens to prove their point. And they bring it up here again. And I just, I don't know. I like the idea of a through line for the entire pay-per-view. I appreciate that. Uh, number 60... Nice moment here. Superstar Billy Graham, I've explained, has has given us lots of great insights into the wars of sports-based entertainment. He, he tries here again. Axe has his boot on... Bre Brett's on his back, and Axe has his boot on Bret Hart's shoulder, and he's got his arms in his hands. And Superstar's like, watch this. He's going to go up. He's going to lift him up and slam him down into it. 
And yeah, I kind of thought the same thing, that Axe would like lift up Brett, slam him back down on the shoulder. Uh, however, Axe, being the lazy man that he is, just stands on Brett's arm a little bit more. And he's like, okay, well, it looks like he's just going to be putting pressure on it with his foot there. And it just cracked up because Superstar really had his heart in the right place. But it's Axe, and Axe isn't going to exert the extra effort. He's a big guy. Number 61, Superstar Billy Graham and Gorilla with a dynamite point. You know, if Bret Hart keeps taking this type of punishment, he's going to be useless. I believe we've reached that point already, Superstar, and I concur! Bret Hart is completely useless. Uh, Bret's getting beat up on the outside by everybody, and the anvil is not helping, and Gorilla and Superstar are all over the anvil like, What are you doing, anvil? Go help your man! Hot tag made to the anvil, but the ref doesn't see it. A few seconds later, we get the real hot tag, and the rhino is on the loose. Madison Square... Point number 62. Madison Square Garden has gone bananas! I don't know if rhinos eat bananas, but apparently Gorilla Monsoon does. Uh, Some rhino lines from the anvil clear the ring of all demolitions, and holy shit! Point of interest, number 63, my God in heaven, smashes in the entranceway. Uh, The anvil goes over to the entranceway, and he flies. Rhinos can fly in Madison Square Garden as Brett slingshots him, and he does a shoulder tackle into Smash. I was impressed as it made the list. Uh, Back in the ring, just to keep some continuity here, uh, a couple of real quick near falls. Uh, power slams, and you now they toss Anvil into Smash, but they don't get the three count. Eventually, all four men are in the ring. Fuji gets up on the apron. Pandemonium. Uh, Axe gets the megaphone from Jimmy Hart, hits Brett with it, and uh, one, two, three, demolition retains. Number 64, a controversial choice. Gorilla's like, oh, what a miscarriage of justice! Of course, nowadays, Gorilla Monsoon wouldn't have to worry about a miscarriage of justice. Because if there is a miscarriage, the cops are going to show up immediately to make sure it was a legitimate miscarriage. So, you know, you're protected now. Don't worry. Every inch of your body is going to be inspected because it belongs to us, not you. Number 65, absolutely amazing moment. Post-match... Mr. Fuji's on the outside near the aisle. Axe tiptoes over to Master Fuji and hands him the megaphone. Master Fuji puts it in his coat and slinkily sneaks to the back like, nobody sees me. And he's all by himself, too. He's just like, oh, no one will see me. I am devious ninja. (laughs) Ridiculous. Mean Gene is in the back with the Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man is visibly upset, and he's got a posse here to help him calm down. Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart, Dino Bravo, the fabulous Rougeau Brothers, and of course, Outlaw Ron Bass. Leave me alone! I don't want to talk to you, Mean Gene! I've been robbed! I've been robbed! I was jumped from behind! You know, I said I'd wrestle anybody, but not a warrior! I'm gonna get it back! I'm gonna get my belt back! I love... Then he was like, I wanted to fight a wrestler, not a warrior. Warriors ain't legal in the WWF. Back in the ring, the Doctor of Style Slick is here with his charge, the Big Boss Man. 
Point number 66, Gorilla Monsoon says of this unique configuration, Oh, Superstar, I bet Slick found this guy while he was doing time somewhere. <laughs> Point of interest number 67, Jesus fucking Christ. We cut to the crowd, and there's a middle-aged woman in the crowd wearing a WWF t-shirt, wearing a yellow Hulk Hogan headband. And folks, this lady has herself a sign combo. She's holding two very distinct signs, specifically about the tandem that's in the ring. The sign on her left, quote, Big Boss Man Needs to Do Time, dot, 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 in the gym! Oh, a sick bird from this old lady. Sign number two, it says, The Doctor of Style. But instead of a picture of the Slickster, it's a picture of a donkey wearing a stethoscope and that doctor headlight thing that they wear on their heads that shines light. I thought it was funny. Boss Man's opponent, the Birdman Coco, be aware. The bell rings and we're underway. Um, point number 68. This is a unique one. During the match, Boss Man's beaten into Coco Beware, and superstar Billy Graham says, You understand? He thinks he's back at the Cobb County Jail! Because he's beaten on Coco like he's a prisoner. However, I always watch these shows with the closed captioning on. And according to the closed captioning, instead of saying, You understand? He thinks he's back at, Cobb, at the Cobb County Jail. The closed captioner indicates that Billy Graham said, You understand? One, three, eight, four, one, anything. Cobb County Jail! And this concludes fun with closed captioning. The match is a typical story of speed versus strength. And finally, number 69. <laughs> Superstar Billy Graham goes absolutely apeshit about the big boss man's ring gear. He's talking about the star-shaped badge that he wears, the handcuffs on his belt, they're all weapons, and you know what? Superstar Billy Graham is fed up with this shit, and basically, he's going to take down President Jack Tunney and become the president himself, because Jack Tunney has let things get out of hand here in the World Rosaline Federation. Gorilla's like, ha ha, I love it! Uh, the boss man hits his running leg rope assault that def desperately needs a name. Point of interest number 70. The big boss man goes up to the top rope and misses a big splash, but he also kind of doesn't miss the big splash. Coco Beware doesn't really roll out of the way. He doesn't really get his knee up. But the spot calls for the boss man to miss, and commentary falls apart trying to explain how the boss man gets right back up from missing the splash. It's very funny. Coco Beware eventually gets a hope spot off of a different set of maneuvers, hits the Ghostbuster drop kick, boss man kicks out by tossing Coco Beware like a sack of potatoes, hits the big boss man slam, which brings us point of interest number 71. Gorilla Monsoon calls the Boss Man Slam. You see how easy that is to say. That patented side move there! One, two, three. Post-match, the Boss Man beats the shit out of Coco Beware with the nightstick. More talk about Jack Tunney being fucking overthrown uh, from the role of president. And superstar Billy Graham demands a suspension be thrown down upon the big Boss Man. Well... 
we had Gorilla, or excuse me, we had Mean Gene Okerlund interview the loser of the Intercontinental title match. Now, it's time to see Sean Mooney with the winner. He is indeed with the Ultimate Warrior. Now, the Ultimate Warrior is surrounded by a posse of babyfaces. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, The Rock Don Morocco, Richard Simmons, Ken Patera, The Junkyard Dog, and The British Bulldogs. They're all rubbing his head and touching his body, and while they're doing this, he's grunting like... The Ultimate Warrior begins to speak, which brings us to point number 72. As the Warrior speaks, the camera zooms in, so we see only his face, and these are some, just some of his words. Sean Mooney, everything happened like a comic book, you would say. I was sitting in parts unknown, waiting for a spaceship to take me to a higher place. And lightning bolts crashed down from the sky. And the warrior spoke and said, you must make it to the garden. Warrior continues to talk about how the little warriors power him and he's going to power the little warriors and they're going to run wild with the Intercontinental title and never lose it to the honky-tonk man. He keeps going on and on and on. But the real fun here is the camera pulls out when he's done speaking and all of the baby faces who were there are gone. Apparently befuddled and unamused by the words that were coming out of his mouth. They're just gone. I love it. I don't understand why they're not still here, but I love it because it's like, this guy's fucking crazy. Or, to a lesser extent, this guy doesn't deserve this spot. Fuck you. I'm going home. Back in the arena, it's time for match number nine. Hercules is in the ring, the heel variant of Hercules, without his manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Here comes Jake the Snake Roberts. Well, point of interest number three, as the match begins, superstar Billy Graham loses his shit over Hercules' appearance. He starts listing off some shit. Look at him dills, gorilla. Look at his pecs. Look at those traps. Look at his ladder, Miss Dorsa. Look at his serious magnates, gorilla. Oh, I tell you, he's in the best shape I've ever damn seen. Jake goes for an early DDT, but no. A fun spot here, which is point of interest number 74. Hercules throws a punch, and Jake blocks it. Hercules throws another punch, and Jake blocks it. Now, at this moment, I was expecting Jake to counterpunch with his own punch. But, folks, Jake blocks left, right, left, right, left, right. Six blocks, and Hercules punches himself out and looks tired, and Jake's like, Ha ha, you like that, Hercules? I'm using my brain in the muck of Everest. It was just really cool. I hadn't seen a spot like that before. Speaking of spots I haven't seen before, later in the match, point of interest number 75, Hercules goes for a teardrop suplex, but on the way down, I saw you and you saved me from myself. No, stop. On the way down, Jake the Snake grabs Hercules and locks in a headlock in the air and keeps it locked in even after impact is made on the mat. Superstar Billy Graham indicates he's never seen anything like that before. And guess what, Superstar? Neither have I. I love it. The brain, of course, isn't here, and Gorilla and the superstar wonder if maybe Bobby got caught in an escalator heading back downstairs to the locker room. I just love that idea. Hey! Hey! Humanoid! I'm stuck in this escalator! Hey, you better call somebody right now! Do you know how important I am? Humanoid! I make more money in an hour than you do in an entire year! Hey! 
you have an anger. Get some help down here. The match in the ring is is fine-ish. It's a little long. Uh, at one point, Jake does the knee lift that he usually does, and he misses. And hilariously, he like throws himself into the tree of woe position. I just laughed. Jake wins with the DDT out of nowhere and then does some snake shenanigans post-match. Well, folks, we we have 13 points of interest left to hopefully get to. But I'll tell you, we've only got one match left. But let's think about this. Ted DiBiase, Andre the Giant, Virgil, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Jesse the Body Ventura, the Macho Man Hulk Hogan, and Miss Elizabeth. If there's any configuration that could come up with some interesting shit, I'm putting my bunny on these folks. We get a nice video recap, okay, of what led to the match here. And there were a lot of things I wanted to talk about, but in the interest of fairness... Uh, this is all considered point of interest number 76. The first thing that happens is Macho Man is on the interview stage and taunting Andre the Giant, who's on the floor. Million Dollar Man comes up from behind and tosses Savage to the ground. And Vince McMahon, who's on commentary, yells, Oh no! They're on concrete! Which, of course, just makes me laugh because it's concrete, man. Uh, in this flashback, Bobby the Brain is wearing the same outfit he's wearing at SummerSlam 88, which is the same outfit he's wearing at WrestleMania 6, and I value the outfit even less now. Number two, one week after this assault, holy shit, in the WWF Event Center, it's Greg DeGeorge, a real-life sighting of Greg DeGeorge. Dude, just clear your throat. Ah, oh, Greg DeGeorge here, Hulk Hogan. We're on this boat. And we're Hulkamania 3 video of a Coliseum home video. Tell us what it was like to fight Andre the Giant. We know some Greg DeGeorge, dude. Uh, uh, first, I-, I think we need to get you a lozenge, brother. Because I plan on being out on this tiny little boat with you all day, dude. And I ain't going to listen to that voice. Uh, but Greg DeGeorge lets us know that Macho Man has challenged the Mega Bucks to a tag team match even though he doesn't have a partner. Point number three here at point number 76. The next week, the challenge is accepted uh, by the Mega Bucks. They're all on the interview podium with Greg DeGeorge. Greg DeGeorge lets us know a very special referee has been assigned, Jesse the Body Ventura. At this moment, Andre and Ted make eye contact, not really showing any emotion. Ted looks over at Virgil. Snaps! Virgil hands him a stack of Benjamins, and DiBiase and Andre look at each other and laugh. It was very funny. Point number four, here point number 76. The next week, the Macho Man introduces his partner, Hulk Hogan. The final point of point 76, point number five. One week ago, Jesse the Body Ventura was on the Brother Love Show. Brother Love thinks that Jesse might be afraid of Andre the Giant. Jesse's like, I ain't afraid of nothing, Brother Love. Gorilla Monsoon on commentary says, Well, it's hard to be humble when you're great, I suppose. The Mega Bucks come out. Andre the Giant says, Jesse the Body Ventura, I want you to pay attention to what Million Dollar Man is going to say. Uh, Brother Love hands Ted DiBiase the mic by saying, Brother Million! Million Dollar Man says that uh, you better pay attention to the Million Dollar Man because it pays to pay attention to the Million Dollar Man and just starts stuffing Jesse's jacket full of Benjamins and they all laugh as the video recap concludes. 
The Fink lets us know it is now time for the main event. And that gets a pop, which impressed me. Jesse the Body Ventura is out first. He's going to be refereeing in Seinfeld's puffy shirt with a pink bandana. Point of interest number 77. The Fink says, introducing team number one. Oh my God. I thought team number one and team number two were copyrights patented, held in all rights reserved by Gary Michael Capetta, who would announce people in WCW and NWA saying things like, Lessing fans introducing team number one. First, 270 pounds, Sweetwater, Texas, Bering Windham, his tag team partner, 200 pounds, Brian Pillman, and their third tag team partner, 300 pounds, Firebreaker Chip. And now, introducing team number two, Atlanta, Georgia, 477 pounds, PN News, his partner, 300 pounds, Heavy Metal Van Hammer, rounding out team number two and slot number three, computerized man of the 90s, Terrence Taylor. But no, apparently the Fink says team number one. It is the Megabucks. They do have Virgil and Bobby the Brain Heenan with them. Out next come the Mega Powers! Woo! We see them walk from the backstage area in Madison Square Garden. Liz wearing her yellow and red uh, halter top and skirt combination with a little red accented flower in the Mega Powers colors. They come out to the Macho Man Randy Savage's theme. I'm unamused by the fact that someone tries to grab Miss Elizabeth in the bosoms and she has to slap away the hand. What's wrong with you people? Point of interest number 78. Superstar Billy Graham hypothesizes that the Macho Man's robe cost in excess of $10,000. I hope not. Ladies and gentlemen, at 2 hours, 8 minutes, and 34 seconds into this pay-per-view, Gorilla Monsoon says, Oh, this is about to be a happening! And it already is! Point of interest number 79. Jesse the Body Ventura does some interesting referee shit before the match gets started. He orders all the managers to get to the outside before he'll start giving the rules to the wrestlers. He then gets really agitated about explaining he'll only allow a five count before he disqualifies. And then in a move that I actually kind of like, Jesse the Body Ventura switches the corners of the tag ropes. So, you know, everybody's going to be standing at different corners. It's not important. It doesn't affect the narrative. But I like this as a little character beat of Jesse Ventura being like, well, you know what, I'm really in charge here, and if I want to move the tag team ropes, I will. During the movement of the tag ropes, the final thing I want to say about Jesse refereeing, Hogan taps Jesse on the shoulder, and Jesse turns around and yells, get your hands off of me! I just like it. Savage and the Giants start. Ted DiBiase, though, gets right in and wants Hulk Hogan. A tag is made to the Hulkster, and here we go! Point of interest number 80. We're getting oh so close. Uh, more unique counters. DiBiase punches. Block. Punch. Block. Little gut kick. Caught. Reversed. Atomic drop. And then DiBiase's ping-ponged in the Mega Powers quarter. I don't know. Everybody wants to block punches tonight. Point of interest number 81. And this is a little conspiracy theory for you. But Hulk Hogan is in control. He makes the tag and says, let's, you know, let's double-team DiBiase here. 
The Macho Man Randy Savage goes to the top rope, obviously waiting for Hulk Hogan to hold DiBiase so Macho Man can hit the double axe. So as Macho Man is perched to the up top, Hogan takes a look and says, Nope, I'm going to Irish whip him, dude. And sure enough, he Irish whips DiBiase. Macho Man has to get down off the top and they elbow the DiBiase one. I think it's a fucking conspiracy because I think Hogan is trying to make Savage look dumb to undermine his reign as the World Wrestling Federation Championship. The match continues. Point of interest 82. The crowd pops huge just for Jesse the Body Ventura yelling at Bobby the Brain Heenan and Virgil. I was impressed. That's, that's a hell of a reaction for doing nothing. Uh, quick tags from the Mega Powers are the story of this match. The Macho Man goes down to pin DiBiase and point of interest number three happens. The body counts only one and Macho Man yells, Count! I just thought it was hilarious. The Mega Powers team with a double big boot. Later in the match, point of interest number 84. Hulk Hogan hits his patented three elbow drops on Ted DiBiase. Now, I've seen a lot of Hulk Hogan matches. Lately, it's been in year 2000 WCW, so I was really expecting Hulk Hogan to stand up and scrape his foot over the face of Ted DiBiase, but no. Hogan runs over to the corner, punches Andre the Giant, Andre the Giant delivers one headbutt, and it turns the tide of the entire match. I love how just one fucking move from Andre changes everything. I really do. I think Andre, I just think it's cool. Eventually, Andre the Giant is legally tagged in, and that brings us point number 85. Andre and Hulk don't do a lot together. Andre doesn't do a whole lot in the match. But Andre versus Hulk, even though they've kind of run it into the ground since Mania 3, it still kind of feels special, and the crowd agrees because they start a massive, massive Hogan chant. Point number 86. Andre the Giant has Hulk Hogan in a Yokozuna-esque nerve lock. Jesse gets distracted, and Andre takes his singlet strap down and starts choking Hogan with it. Superstar Billy Graham yells, He took off his gear! Is this foreshadowing? Really? Like, I, I don't know. DiBiase's brought in now, and God, I love his fucking million-dollar fist drops. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon says bananas again. Hogan gets a hope spot, but it's cut off. Point number 87. Jesse the Body Vitor is distracted, allowing the Mega Bucks to cheat, and superstar Billy Graham yells, Come on, Mega Referee! Get something done, man! He called him the Mega Referee! Why has no one thought to do this before? This summer, the Mega Powers meet the Mega Bucks, and only a Mega Referee can keep law and order. It's SummerSlam 88! I come on! Superstar Billy Graham. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? Hogan gets up, and Gorilla says bananas yet again. It's a double clothesline, double down, and folks, we're still stuck on 87. We are just one point of interest away from 88. The match continues with just normal stuff I have to tell you so you understand what's going on. Hot tag to the Macho Man. Uh, the crowd goes nuclear for Macho Man's offense. 
He gets a crossbody, but Andre comes in to cut out the count. The Mega Bucks are in control. Ted DiBiase goes up and hits a no-look elbow that misses. We get a hot tag to Hulk Hogan, and things are feeling very formulaic. But holy shit, point of interest, number 88. After this hot tag to Hogan, Andre the Giant steps into the ring to attack Hulk Hogan. Hogan rushes forward and punches Andre and the Gi- Andre the Giant in the face one time, and Andre's like, ah, 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 and he goes down to his knees and just collapses like, boss, help me, I fell down from one punch. But the crowd explodes, and I love it. I fucking love it. Also, we just got to 88. Yay! Randy Savage goes up top to nail Andre the Giant who's on the ground but Andre gets his boot up and Macho Man flies outside the ring Hulk Hogan has a sleeper on Ted DiBiase but Andre is up and headbutts Hulk Hogan and tosses him out to the side outside the ring where the Macho Man is as well now some chaos and anarchy happens all of the managers are up the Mega Bucks are in control but the Mega Bucks are ready to finish this thing but they need to go to the outside to get the Mega Powers back in the ring, or they just need Jesse to start counting. Jesse is trying to get all the managers down from the ring apron. The Mega Bucks are like, fine, go get Liz down, Jesse, and we'll take care of our guys. Uh, Liz gets in Jesse's face and points at Virgil and Heenan, like, get them down and I'll get down. Jesse the body then goes to talk and yell at the heel managers, but no one is listening. Point of interest number 89. Miss Elizabeth walks towards the hard cam side and oh my god what is this? She rips off the yellow portion of the bottom of her Mega Powers outfit configuration. She took off a dress. She took off a dress. It is true. Miss Elizabeth has taken off her skirt and revealed some red bikini bottoms that are a little cheeky. Now, I've always been under the impression that these are just bikini bottoms. However, according to Wikipedia, it somebody really horny wrote the Wikipedia entry for SummerSlam 88 because there are multiple instances of a sentence that's like, Miss Elizabeth helped the Mega Powers defeat the Mega Bucks when she hopped up on ringside and revealed her panties, allowing the Mega Powers to win the match. Later, it's like, the Mega Powers defeated the Mega Bucks via panty reveal. I mean, regardless, it's pretty much the same thing. It's the tamest pair of bikini bottoms you've ever seen. But folks, this is 1988. So, check please. Liz is visibly kind of like laughing, embarrassed that she's actually done this. But it, it really feels in character though. I'm not trying to throw shade at her. Jesse is just completely lost in thought, staring at a Miss Elizabeth. The look on his face is like, well, it's not illegal, I suppose. The Mega Bucks are distracted. We get a shot of Ted DiBiase's face in bewilderment. And then, in perhaps the greatest camera cut in the history of our sport, point of interest number 90, we see the Mega Powers handshake. We don't see him start the handshake. We see them, like, touch. Like, it's it's a beautiful camera cut. There's no build-up to it. It's DiBiase bewilderment. Touch shake, yeah! 
Point of interest number one, Miss Elizabeth throws her skirt in the face of Ted DiBiase. It's a great toss. It lands perfectly on his face. And Macho Man nails Andre the Giant. No, help me, million dollar man! And Andre is down and out and just gone from the match. Uh, They slam Ted DiBiase. Macho Man hits the elbow. Hogan hits the leg drop. Point of interest 92. Jesse counts. One. Two. Hesitates. Macho Man slams the hand down. Three. The Mega Powers celebrate. Point of interest number three, ladies and gentlemen. Two extremely important things happen at two hours, 26 minutes, and 52 seconds. Number one, Gorilla Monsoon says, Bananas! Again. But Hulk Hogan and a bottomless Miss Elizabeth embrace, and Hogan spins around, hugging her. Point of interest number four. Macho Man has been up on the top rope looking at the crowd celebrating. He gets down... Sees Hogan holding Liz and spreads his arms like, Oh, what's going on here? I was up on the top rope looking this way, and I turn around and I look this way, and now you're touching Miss Elizabeth. But it's not truly visible what's going on unless you're really keyed into it. Liz immediately runs to Randy like, Randy, we won! We won! And Savage is like, Oh, okay, I guess you guys were just hugging, doing a celebration. I like that. I like the celebration. I like positivity being spread throughout Madison Square Garden. Uh, number 95, Hulk Hogan spins Miss Elizabeth's skirt round his head like a helicopter and throws it into the crowd. Oh, the Mega Powers pose as Miss Elizabeth directs him. Point 96, Miss Elizabeth does the Hulk Hogan ear cup. It's cute. It's really cute. Um... Point number 97. This is kind of weird. Miss Elizabeth starts walking towards the rope and Hulk Hogan's behind her, kind of doing like a weird hand motion like he's playing the guitar, but also like he could be spanking her ass. Good thing Savage didn't say that. Uh, Point of interest number 98. I can't read my handwriting. Oh, no! (laughs) Somehow the skirt is back in the ring and Hulk Hogan tosses it out again! It's like John Cena's shirt at ECW. How does nobody want this? You know the motherfucker that caught that skirt immediately like ran to his car and fucking rubbed it all over his face like, Nah, God. Nah, God. Nah, God. Point 99. At 2 hours, 29 minutes, and 20 seconds, Miss Elizabeth is up on the shoulders of the Macho Man, and Hulk Hogan visibly touches her ass. I'm telling you guys, if they planned all of these little moments, like, give them an Oscar. Like, give them an Emmy. Give them something. Okay? Or Hulk Hogan's just a big perv. I don't know. Everyone's excited. Gorilla Monsoon signs off with point of interest number 100, our final point. See you all at the Leonard and Long fight in Las Vegas on November 7th. I was like, Sugar Ray, Leonard and Long? Oh yeah, Titan Sports used to promote those matches, but folks, that is going to give us a wrap on SummerSlam 88, and God love it, we found 100 points of interest and we were only looking for 88. The show, honestly, isn't bad. Like, there's some good tag team stuff going on. It's a Look, it, it's kind of a glorified house show, and Mega Powers Mega Bucks is really memorable for, like, the ending 
the match is fine. Like, it's a super hot crowd. There is nothing wrong with it at all. It's not going to set the fucking Tokyo Dome on fire, but there's nothing wrong with it. You know, SummerSlam 88 is like a lot of pay-per-views early on. They kind of feel like overlong house shows with some historical moments. But you get the warrior dethroning Honky in an absolutely classic moment. Superstar Billy Graham, not bad, not good, but interesting. Interesting. All your favorite characters from this era are here. I'd give it an easy recommendation to watch and just not pay it, you know, just put it on. Put it on and maybe just have it there. Uh, and I don't really, you know, it's not my thing. I don't recommend things that way. I'm just saying, like, if you're on the fence, like, it's, it's worth, you know, putting on and at least listening to and paying attention when the sh- interesting shit pops up. And now for you, ladies and gentlemen, I have a treat on the way out. We've talked about dubs and all the WWE Network dubbing music. Feast your ears, as we say adieu here on Ringman, to the WCW Sid Vicious dub music. Oh, yeah. You just hang around and wait till the end when they start tickling them ivories. Subscribe to the new TNN so you get notified when new content drops. I'm Johnny C. And a winner is you.